Good morning. Straighten up over here. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. All right, let's stand and worship, amen? My mother's in heaven, but I'm going to meet her someday.
That's my cue. That's your cue. All right, I'm sitting there enjoying it. Yeah, for God so loved the world. Well, good morning. And uh, as already been said, happy Mother's Day. We're so glad to have you here. You know, um, 30, 40 years ago, um, Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day were the three biggest Sundays that you had. And then something started happening over the years where some of the moms didn't want to go to church anymore and it was go somewhere else. But you folks, thank you moms for bringing them here yeah, and having a pretty full house. So thank you for that. All right. If you are a guest with us, your first, second, or third time, please fill out this guest registration. Rip that off. Drop it in the offering. That's all we ask you to give us. Uh, just let the offering go by, except that we would need that registration. And all we'll do is just say hi to you by letter and thank you for being here today. This is our senior um, week called Joy, and that will be Tuesday, and you can read all about it in the bulletin, find out the exact time and everything that goes on there. Love to have you come. They have a great time together, have a special speaker this week, I think. Um, Vacation Bible School, Carrie was telling me that they are down to only a few spots left available. We have to limit it because when you get so big, then nobody has a good time because you're just trying to keep everything under control. So if you, if you haven't registered yet, go see Miss Carrie um, and get registered for Vacation Bible School. All right. We're glad you're here. Ask you to stand. Welcome somebody around you to church. I love this service because you are full of stuff. <laughs> oh, you know, when I was putting the music together for this service, I restructured it three times. <laughs> you know, that's how God works sometimes, you know, and a lot of experiential ways is how he works through our experiences. So I took the motorhome out this week, went up to Destin, I was camping and having a great time, and my lights are flickering on and off. <laughs> My air conditioning is going. So on the way home, I'm thinking, oh, boy, I'm going to have to take this in, this in. But I'm not going to stress, right? So scripture kept coming to me, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. And then this song came on the radio, and that's why we're doing it. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I
grateful to be home in the presence of the Holy Spirit here this morning.
Father, we come to you this morning just full of gratitude, Jesus. That we can be here for one thing. That we're fit enough to be here when so many want to be here and cannot. Father, we thank you that you watch over us all week long, Jesus. That you, you keep us from the things, Father, that we don't even see that may keep us from following you or harm us. So, Jesus, we are so grateful to you, Father. We thank you for this day in honoring our mothers, whether mothers have passed on or mothers are here, or for those that are mothers, Jesus. We're just grateful. Mothering is a tough job. And Lord, it's not for the faint of heart. So we pray for encouragement for mothers and we just pray for strength, wisdom. It's a tough world today, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you're with them every step of the way. And Lord, we're grateful we can give to you this morning. We ask your blessing on our offering. In for Jesus' precious name. Happy Mother's Day. And then Daddy's Day is, what, about a month away for Father's Day? You know, I've told more than one person over the years at, like, a funeral service, and it was a mother. Um, daddies don't take this wrong, okay, what I'm about to say. Daddies love their kids. They really do. I know they do. They love their kids. But daddies have a way of being able to cut the cord you know, and, and still love them, but cut the cord. Mothers do not cut the cord. They hold you at the end of a string and just give you line, you know, and let you go with that line. But they've always got a hold on you. And that's a good thing. We'd have had a fight when I was a young boy if you'd have called me a mama's boy. But now I would take that as an honor. Um, you'll learn that, you young guys, when you grow older. My... Uh, Dad and mom used to say some what I thought were dumb things, like all moms and dads do. I hated it as a kid, and now I, I kind of find it funny. Um, when mama was mad at me, or I'd done something I shouldn't, then she would say my whole name. You, know, you ever do that? Not just Lloyd, Lloyd Douglas Bertine, you know, 
go out to the creek. This is a true story, though. Way more than once. Go out to the creek and cut me a switch. Bring it here. Well, I'm not the smartest crayon in the box, but I knew to cut down the flimsiest thing that I could find. Um, and if I were outside playing, and which I did many times, and I'd get hurt, even pretty bad, um, I could run in the house crying, and my daddy would say, shake it off. But daddy, it's, it's the bone sticking out. Just shake it off, you know. How many of you had a wagon growing up? You had a wagon. Okay, all right, then you'll, you'll be able to identify with some of the things we're going to say today. Uh, I grew up in what I think is the golden era of, of growing up. It was before there were video games and uh, this social media stuff, and we played outside, and it was dangerous. And this is before some of you mamas... You know, you just got so worked up about you got to, your little kids got to wear a bicycle helmet. We rode all over the place, never had a helmet, you know, and, and if you fell and got hurt, you cried a little bit, get up, maybe had a little brain trauma, but that was no, no, I'm serious. We didn't know. We know what a concussion was. You just got up and kept on going, shake it off. That's the era that I grew up in. But those of you, you understand about a wagon, um, girls, when I was growing up, the girls that had a wagon, they, and, and you know, wagons used to come in all different sizes and, um, wagons, um, were mainly red, but the girls that had wagons would put their little dolls in them and drive them around and put the little, you know, frou-frou stuff around the, the baby dolls guys, we would put sand or rocks, you know, or something like that. And that's what most of the guys that I grew up with did. I didn't really do that that much. If you'll remember this about a wagon, you could take one of them wagons and they had a handle, remember, about that long, and a little handle on the end of it. But if you took that handle and set in the wagon and you could pull that thing all the way around, it would drive and it would make the front wheels go left or right. Our wagon, my wagon, always became a soapbox derby. I mean, you were finding a place to go down or to jump you know, and the sad thing is the back wheels didn't do it. So you almost always ended up tipped over. But anyway, so I want to talk to you today about your wagon. And some of you are thinking, Lord, you, you, you've fallen off the wagon. If, if you think that I still have a wagon, well, actually you do. And it's really a good metaphor for the sermon that I want to preach today on following the Lord. And the thing I want you to write down is this. The wagon that you still have in your life contains that which is most valuable to you. The thing that is most valuable to you. So you may be thinking about, you know, what is in your life, if you would, and what is most valuable to you? I believe this, this metaphor of a wagon that you pull around uh, in your life it actually begins to define you as to, as to what is so important to you. And this is not a new concept. You know, as a matter of fact, this has been around for a long time. And today we're going to look at an interaction between Jesus and a man that came to him pulling his wagon. And we're going to be following the scripture of what happened there and making comments about that. So what I'm asking you to do is, as I go through this story in the, in the scriptures to find your place in the story. And what I want you to think about is this, 
what is in your wagon? What, what is in there that you value more dearly than anything else that's probably stopping you from following the Lord with all your heart? So today, if you want to look, of course, everything will be on the screen. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10. This story that I'm going to share with you is found in three out of the four Gospels. In Matthew, this man is called young. In Luke, he's called rich. That is how we get the name, the rich young ruler. You've heard of that, right? That's the story that we're going to be looking at. This, this guy basically has what probably everybody in this room would like to have. He's got money and he's got youthfulness to enjoy it. And so let's look at uh, Mark 10 and begin in verse number 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I like this guy now right away when I read that because he comes running up to Jesus. Obviously, he knew something about the Lord. He had heard things about him, about how amazing that he was and, and, and how he could change people's lives. And this young man came up and wanted something that evidently he doesn't think that he has, and it's eternal life, eternal life. He wants to know about life after death. Is that a good thing to know? Absolutely. That's what he wants to know. Well, let's follow the story. Now, verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the Lord stops right there. He doesn't even get through all the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't know why, but he doesn't. Um, maybe this young man, you know, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, been there, done that. You know, I'm a Jew. Uh, I know all those things that you've been talking about. Got them memorized so you can stop right there. Just tell me what I need for eternal life. Well, the Lord is going to eventually show him that you don't keep the commandments. You said you did, but you don't. In fact, the very first one, thou shalt have no other gods before me, you've already violated that. So that's what we're going to see. But in verse 20, he says, teacher, talking to Jesus, all of these things I've kept since I was a boy. What's he saying? Basically, Lord, I've kept all these commandments that you just listed, and um, I'm sincere about it. I mean, I, I don't really care about the commandment thing. I just want to know what I've got to do to have eternal life. Good, good uh, motive, but a wrong way of approaching this. This young man, I have no doubt in my mind that he was sincere. But you've heard me say many times, you can be sincere and sincerely wrong. And that's what this young man is going to find out. Now, in verse 21a, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now stop right there for a second. Jesus looked at him and loved him. In the New Living Translation, it says, Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. I want you to imagine for just a moment um, what uh, of, of Jesus looking at you with eyes of genuine love. Most people don't know that. Most Christians don't know that. They don't believe that. 
When I talk to people and say, well, how do you think Jesus sees you? How do you think Jesus looks at you? I mean, folks, I'd like for you to picture if I had two chairs up here and they were facing one another and you were sitting knee to knee, eyeball to eyeball to Jesus Christ, and you know that he knows everything about your life, everything that you've ever done, thought, or said, how do you think he's looking at you? Probably most people would say, well, probably with shame, you know, maybe some embarrassment in there. But what, listen, what if, and and this is kind of gripping me lately, I've been sharing this with you in the whole series, what if Jesus isn't who we think he is? In this area especially, what if when Jesus looks at you, church, he's not always mad? What if when Jesus looks at you, he's not disappointed in you? What if he looks at you with genuine love? Wouldn't that make a difference in your life? It sure would mine to know that when I look, he looks at me, he sees me with, with love. Not that I'm perfect or not that I've not done things, but that he is looking at me with genuine love. Like, Lord, here's what I want you to do. And here's what's in your wagon that I want you to get rid of. And I want you to put me in there. And I want to be the only thing in that wagon that really matters to you. I wonder how our lives would be different. If you went through Monday through Saturday and then got here on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, you went through life realizing that he looks at you with genuine love. Now, I may talk about some difficult stuff. I'm not sure yet, but I want you to watch, first of all, the whiplash that happens from what Jesus said in verse 21b. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, what's the last two words? Follow me. Boy, that one's tough. Spoken with genuine love, yeah. But you know what Jesus is saying? Write it down. Go sell your wagon. Go sell your wagon. All the stuff that you brought in here. And then come follow me. And you'll experience love wherever you go. I want you to notice Jesus didn't comfort this young man with an easy answer to eternal life. He actually confronted him with a truth that we don't like to hear today. And that is the truth of sacrifice. That there has to be a sacrifice. And let's be honest, nobody likes that word. You know, sacrifice. You don't like that word. I don't, you know, um, it was like someone in the first service said, well, preacher, you know, I heard you talking about, sac- you said you were going to preach on sacrifice, and I had my family here for the first time. I think, oh, no, 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 give us the funny pastor today. You know, give us that one today. But follow me is synonymous with sacrifice. You can't be a disciple without sacrifice. Now, you might be able to be a believer and have trusted in the Lord and not given your life totally yet over to him. But you can't be a disciple of the Lord and not sacrifice. So the Lord Jesus confronted him with the truth of what needs to happen in his life. Um, so write this down. Yeah, already up there. You can't follow Jesus without sacrifice. Now, again, that's not a very uh, fun subject to teach on. It wasn't then. It's not now. But folks, sacrifice is one of the most important themes throughout the entire Bible. Old Testament, 
when the Lord instituted the system of sacrifice, all the way up, as we'll see in just a minute, even into Jesus' day and today. But I thought, you know, I know it's Mother's Day, and Daddy's Day's coming, so I thought that what I'd do is, is ladies, for you, to let the dads know and kind of take you men back to the beginning of God's story, uh, at least back to um, Abraham, 2,000 years before uh, Christ, and how the Lord ask men to sacrifice their manhood um, in order to show their devotion to the Lord. So men, if you want some exciting reading today, go read Genesis 17 about circumcision. Do you know that circumcision is the prime, it was the primary relational covenant between God and man. Did you know that? It was, like, it was like having an ID card, but it was a sacrifice. And I've got to believe that when Abraham first heard God talking about circumcision and what it meant, it was like, say what? You, you want to do what? You know, Lord, come on, that don't seem fair. I mean, a covenant? You, you gave Noah a rainbow. I mean, look at us. I mean, this just doesn't seem right. You know, Lord, did you and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, did y'all three get together and talk about this thing and had a brainstorm, brainstorm session and you were throwing out ideas and, and you said, look, just tell us what you think. And one of you said, well, let's shave their heads. No, that's common. Well, let's put a, a tattoo on their ankle that says, mom, no, you know, that's too feminine. Um, I know what we'll do. Let's have them cut some of their skin off. Ooh. That's got, that's got possibilities. Okay, interesting. But where will we have them do that? Oh, that could be a problem. Then we fast forward 2,000 years. Listen, fast forward 2,000 years and you're with, where Jesus is now living and circumcision is still there to separate the Jew from the Gentile. And I'm getting to a point. In, in, in spite of all the humor and stuff, I'm getting to a point here. Then we go to Paul right there at the same time of the New Testament that wrote over half of the books in the New Testament, who himself is a circumcised Jew, and he comes along and says, wait a minute, I want you to move the circumcision above the belt line to here. I want it to be up here. I want you to circumcise yourself in the heart where there's less of you and more of Jesus, where there's less of pride and, and, and more of, of helping, where there's, there's less of, of that um, self and apathy and there's more compassion and caring about people. Folks, please hear this cor correctly. Are you listening? Money is not the issue here. You can have money and still follow Jesus. Did you hear that? You can have money and still follow Jesus. It is the love of money that the Bible talks about. It is having the love of money in your wagon that you're pulling around through life that makes all the difference. And listen, being a follower, being a disciple, you know, it would, it would be so easy if we could just go through life and keep everything in our wagon and just add Jesus to it. But he doesn't want us to do it that way. 
it finally dawns on me in reading this story that what Jesus wants this young man to do and us, he wants this guy to follow him. That's what he wants. I want him to follow me. So he says, you go sacrifice, you go get rid of everything in that wagon, and then come back and follow me. Verse 22, let's watch what happens. At this, telling him to go sacrifice, at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. In the Greek there, the two words, face fell, are actually words that they used to describe the sky being overcast in anticipation of a storm. Look it up, and that's what you'll find out. So this guy runs up to Jesus, hoping to get kind of a simple cupcake, kind of an answer about eternal life, and Jesus meets him with sacrifice. And what happens? His face just fell, because that's what was in his wagon. Now, what does Jesus do? He gathers the disciples that were there listening to all of this, and he says this in verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now watch this. The disciples were amazed at his words. There's a reason that's in there. His disciples were amazed that he said that it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. What is he doing here? He's illustrating the impossibility of doing it on your own without sacrificing to the Lord. Now, notice when he said the disciples were even more amazed and they said to each other, well, then who can be saved? Folks, that, that's important how they did this because in that time and in that culture, they were taught and they believed that if you had wealth, it automatically meant God is blessing. It didn't matter how you were living your life. If you had wealth, God is because God is blessing you. I mean, who would have thought that having wealth would be a barrier uh, to the kingdom? I mean, Lord, what kind of a kingdom is this that money can't buy your way into it? You sense the confusion there? If you really believe that, which they did, you may have some confusion right now. Of course, you're not alone. Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Aren't you glad he said that? See, because what he's saying is, look, doesn't mean they can't go to heaven. I mean, you know, yes, the wealthy can go to heaven, but it's hard if they're going to trust what's in their wagon. In fact, it's impossible if, if they're trusting that, their wealth. But with me, with God, he said, Everything is possible. And then verse 28, Peter spoke up, shock. Peter, we left everything to follow you. I mean, you can almost see his anger maybe a little bit and confusion there. You know, he can't get into the kingdom? Well, if he can't, then it's, it's got to be impossible. And by the way, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. In the book of Matthew, it says where Peter said, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get out of it? That's a funny statement, isn't it? You know what? A little selfish, but I believe it's a good question. It's an honest question. What will we get out of it? 
I mean, you can almost see Peter's mind going, Lord, my parents, my family, they were kind of mad when me and Andrew left the fishing business and walked away to, to follow you. Lord, it's been a sacrifice to follow you. This better lead to something, <laughs> you know, that we're doing here. Because if this is all there is, I mean, Lord, yeah, we love hanging around with you. You know, you tell some good stories. And, man, I love when you sent them demons into all them pigs and they ran off the cliff. That was cool. But, Lord, I'm kind of conflicted right now about what I just heard. So, actually, this question of what will I get out of it, I wish the rich guy had asked that at the very beginning. And it's one that we should be asking. Now, let's go on. Write it down. I, I want you to remember it so much I ask, ask you to write it down. If I put God first, then what will I get out of it? What will I get out of it? Good question. Fair. Are you ready for the answer? Okay, here's the answer. You ask Jesus, here's the answer. Verse 29, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children feels for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. Circle these next few words. In this present age. And in the age to come, what the young man ran to me asking, eternal life. But following me with sacrifice will bring you a hundred times as much. Are you listening to this? All right. We got any... Get these young guys here. What grade are y'all in? Ninth? Oh, you're old enough to know. I got a $20 bill. Would you rather have 100 times that or 100% of that? There you go. Smart guy. You'd rather have 100 times, wouldn't you? See, Jesus didn't say, give me 100%. That's just another $20. He said 100 times. Folks, I have read this for 40, well, more than that, years, uh, pastoring for 42. I've read this over and over and over and over, and it just this last few weeks dawned on me what the Lord says, that I will give you in this present age 100 times more than you could ever think of. Again, I'm not big into math, but I like the 100 times better than the 100%. You know the secret of that 100 times blessing? It's right here. Sacrifice. That's what Jesus is saying. Sacrifice. Now, in this, in this age right now, how many of you have been to Disney World? How many of you like going to Disney World? I've been one time. That's enough. Nancy and I went back in 1994, I believe, first and only time. Uh, that's enough for me. Um, I'd rather go sit on the beach, you know, or something like that. But when you, when you, when you go into Disney World, um, you know, and you get your admittance or whatever they do, if it's a ticket, I don't know what they do anymore. But you get in there, and it's, it, it's beautiful, isn't it? Even the entrance to Disney World, I think, is, is pretty. Um, and there's kind of a wow factor um, in the characters. Sometimes out there in the entrance, you know, you're not in yet all the way. The characters will come out and, 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 and talk to you or whatever. But you're in there. You know, you're in Disney World. Now, imagine with me that every time you go to Disney World, and maybe you got an annual pass, 
So you go all the time if you want to, um, but you just stay out there in the entrance. Are you with me? You just stay out there in the entrance. That's it. Um, there's a, again, there's a lot of things to look at there, but you, do you think that if all you ever did was stay in the entrance, that pretty soon your passion would fade? Would it? Your, your passion would fade? Pretty soon it wouldn't be as fascinating as people talk about? Well, what if, are you with me still? What if somebody comes up to you and looks at you with genuine love and says, follow me and takes you by the hand and walks you from the entrance through that little tiny tunnel where just in a few feet, boom, you're on Main Street. And there's all that activity. I mean, there's, there, there's all that excitement. There's all the thrills, all the rides. And everywhere you go, just there's so much more food here, food there. Um, you know where I'm going with this, right? You all know by now where I'm going with this. A lot of us live lives like that. We're Christians, and, and we, we, all we think about is just the one area, eternal life. And that's the most important. You got to have that one. But folks, what I'm trying to share with you today, they don't experience the joy of kingdom living by just staying out and not diving in and letting Jesus be everything in that wagon they pull around. You know, we've got to let Jesus lead us if we're going to really truly serve him. But we can't let Jesus just be one of the many things we love in the wagon. He's got to be it. So see, I'm a follower of Jesus, and he says, love your enemies, Lord. No, I don't want to do that. Well, if you follow me, you do. You know, uh, well, I want you to forgive those that have hurt you. Lord, I don't want to do that. Well, if you're going to follow me, you have to do that. Lord, I don't want to quit criticizing. I don't want to take the log out of my eye so I can see the speck in the other person's eye. Well, if you're going to follow me, you got to do that. Is any of that making sense to you of what it means to follow the Lord and get rid of the things in your wagon? What about you? What do you need to sacrifice? Maybe some of you need to sacrifice. Are you listening to this? I want everybody, teenagers, young people, everybody. Some of you might need to sacrifice a relationship that's keeping you from following Jesus. Some of you may, I mean, your career may be more important to you than Jesus. Maybe the addiction is keeping you from following Jesus. Maybe pride is keeping you from even asking him into your heart and being able to admit to him, Lord Jesus, I want you in my wagon and I'm willing to get rid of the other stuff and then come back and follow you. Friends, you don't have to leave here today with your face drooping like this man did and sad. Kingdom living is available for us now. Jesus is saying to you today, park your wagon and then come follow me. What needs to be sacrificed in your wagon? Let's pray. As we sit here with our eyes closed, just take a breath for a moment and imagine the eyes of Jesus 
looking at you right now with genuine love. Will you say, Lord Jesus, walk with me and give me the courage to sacrifice? Make me to that kind of a person that will live out your commandments. Help me to let go of that wagon. Follow you and pick up 100 times more than you released. Lord Jesus, these are your people. You love them dearly. We ask for the courage to follow and sacrifice and trust you whatever that 100 times kingdom living looks like for us that we trust you thank you for hearing our prayers in your name we pray amen let's stand together and sing Mother's Day and enjoy it and um, no activities tonight. Enjoy it with your family. Thank you. Have a good day. How are you?